0: Bringing Voices That Rise Above the Rumors, Complicating the Narrative, a podcast from youth shattering myths about loss and trauma in violence-riddled neighborhoods. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Complicating the Narrative. My name is Mariah and you might remember me from season one in the intro. But I'm here to reintroduce myself in season three because me and Tatiana will be the hosts.
1: Excuse me, I'll do my own introduction. <laughs> but I am Oh, sorry. T-A-T, I'm back. Hey y'all, I miss everybody. How
0: y'all doing? Hey. So let's kick things off, Mariah. What's up? So in this season of complicating the narrative, we'll be focusing on resilience. So I know you guys have been experiencing COVID-19 and all the things that come along with it. So we will be talking about how we have persevered through these hard times.
1: I know I have, because I can't go nowhere. I got to wear mask, six feet apart, lines for the grocery store. Whew. mm-mm, I don't like it. <laughs> so what about you, Mariah? You at school and stuff, it? How, how has it been?
0: Ciao. Um, it um it's been very interesting to say the least um a lot it's been a lot um but today we'll be talking about cps dear chicago and here with us we have dr moore hey, hey. <laughs> put applause in.
2: <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me aboard i'm so excited to be here do we have to introduce you dimitri yeah they
0: don't know who i am <laughs> oh and we'll also be having dimitri
3: hey guys how you doing well
0: known
3: safe uh or at least voice <laughs> yes. um but not as well known to you maybe as dr moore right you guys have a little bit of history with dr moore
1: yep she's the reason i passed senior year thank you dr moore
2: <laughs> i didn't do anything I I have to say that uh, it is so exciting to watch two young people just like blossoming into themselves. I can't help my, like I've been smiling nonstop since I got (laughs) on the call. So um, this is, it's really cool to be on the other side. Right. Um, To like, it's not student and teacher. It's like peers and colleagues talking about, um, you know, how how you move forward when times are, times are hard, whether it's COVID or just the realities of being in Chicago in the summer of 2020. So I'm um, looking forward to our conversation.
3: And it, it is, I mean, just as a, like, I don't want to say as an outsider, because I feel like I know you guys now, but it is cool because, you know, Dr. Moore and I are facilitators at Contextos. And um, we met you, well, Dr. Moore met you guys as students. I met you guys, um, in our podcast pilot program, um, working on season one and you guys produced two amazing episodes, um, with the partners that you're working with. Uh, and so it is really, really cool to be, uh, here a season later, uh, and have you guys hosting this season. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, and excited to talk about resilience cause it's kind of a, a big deal, right?
0: Definitely.
3: Yeah
1: okay so i have a question for you guys dr moore and dimitri what is CPS, dear chicago if you explain to the people and even explain to myself what it is and what does it do and how has how does it
2: affect students you want to jump in there dimitri you want me sure
3: um yeah so you guys definitely know um context a lot of programming um in schools and community organizations also at cook county uh division 10 and you know when COVID happened, uh, we all kind of changed gears, right? The whole world had to change gears. Uh, and so, you know, we, we didn't stop. We just shifted the way that we do what we do in the world. Uh, and so we were, uh, we partnered with CPS, uh, Chicago Public Schools, uh, to develop a summer program for 20 high school students. And we really focused on on what they had to say. It's what we do at, at Contextos, right? We talk about, um, what do you have to say to the world and give people an opportunity to, to say that and also give other people an opportunity to hear that, uh, it's just, you know, why we're here. <laughs> um, and so in that CPS Dear Chicago program, it was called Dear Chicago because it was, uh, what we did was we made video letters to the city. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about how we all feel, how, how CPS students feel about the city and what's going on. Um, And then also what it's like uh you guys just described what it's like you know living in this crazy time and dr moore i feel like it was it was definitely new and different but i feel like it was a good time you know high schools have a youthful energy about them uh which definitely helped (laughs) these summer days because you know there's a lot going on in the world but i had a lot of fun
2: yeah it was you know it was just a uh it was an interesting process because um Dear Chicago turned out to be nothing like, well, very little like our traditional author circle, that is sort of like the bedrock of what Contextos does in communities and in and in county. Um, just by virtue of the fact that we were all like little little people on the screen, like we are now, like recording this, and so we had to figure out a way to like try to try to um, try to help the young people find their voice and express it but not through the means in which we uh, we normally do. And so we pretty much kind of stumbled across the notion that we would write letters, right? Um, and that the letters would be about what the city needed to hear from people that they rarely ask to hear from, right? So the young people in Chicago, the young people who were gathered um, from various schools, from Hyde Park Academy, um, where else were they from? I think there was a couple of students from Bogan and a couple of other places. Um, finger, yeah. Yeah, Finger. Um, so they were from a from variety of neighborhoods in the city, but they had never been asked, like, "What what's your life like? What do you need? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What's it like to live as a young person in Chicago in, in the summer of 2020? So the Dear Chicago was something that they really latched on to, because I mean, they said like nobody asks us what we think. And so they had this opportunity to tell um, not just the folks on the screen and Dimitri and I, but the city, what the city needs to know about being a, um, a young black person. Um, and uh, it, it, it was a lot of, it really was a lot of fun. And much of the energy was brought by the young folks uh, it sort of helped uh, push Dimitri and I along because you know, we met five days a week, three and a half hours a day over Zoom. Uh, so it was definitely important to to bring the energy. And I also have to give a, a little nod to Dimitri, uh, oh, DJ shucks. Smooth. Uh, <laughs> he, he brought the soundtrack for Dushka.
3: Oh, thank you.
0: Um, well, do you want to share one of the video letters?
3: Sure. We have a video letter from Anaya, one of our CPS young people. Uh, and really, again, this this letter was what they had to say to the city. Um, about themselves, about what their lives are like, about what the city is like, and what the city should be, uh, and then how to get there. Um, so we can take a listen to that.
4: Dear Chicago, I am Anaya. I am a 16-year-old girl born in Las Vegas, Nevada, but raised in Chicago, Illinois. I am pure-hearted and care. I am a writer and reader, but sometimes a procrastinator when it comes to those things. I am a teenage girl trying to get through high school. I am an honor roll student. I am a top 10 student. I am creative and I love to think outside the box. I am a pig leopard and the color blue leopard. I am a sour over sweet type of girl. I am loyal and funny. I am human. I am a knight. Summer 2020 in Chicago is different. It's dangerous it's just not the same excuse me ma'am can you put your mask on do you have a mask oh my god i forgot my mask can you please have your mask over your nose at all times thank you that's all i hear all day every day the pandemic really ruined the summer for us you can't go anywhere without a mask and it's limited to people in the store or anywhere you go the masks are suffocating and it's already hot you can't cough sneeze or have a normal cold or allergy without people looking at you disgustingly or someone asking, You got corona? This summer is dangerous. Little kids are dying and like three to four kids from my school died this summer. Nobody's safe. I wish I could say, Oh, this summer is a movie or it's fun, but it's not. It's nowhere near fun. I hate this summer honestly. This summer is not it. My life is like a a never-end-a-roller-coaster ride, but instead of it being my favorite ride that I never want to get off, it's the scariest ride in the park, and I want to get off, like, now. There have been some fun twists and turns on this ride, but there have also been some scary deep drops that make me want to hold the bar tightly and pray to God I make it there. And not to mention that the whole ride you have to wear a mask. (sighs) Huh, I hate it here. I want to get off and go to a more fun ride, but it seems as if this roller coaster won't stop. It's the feeling of having your eyes closed the whole ride and not knowing what's coming next, but you just hope and pray that it's over soon. This is the ride where you say, well, that was an experience, but I'm never doing that again. It's just one of those rides where when you get off, you never look back because that was here. This summer hasn't been the best summer out of my whole 16 years of living, but this summer has been the summer of my first experience. My first experience of a pandemic, my first experience of losing people to gun violence my first experience of online school and many more things hopefully this will be my first and last time of experiencing those things because lord knows i can't take another life-changing event chicago should be a place that people want to visit and move to and not a place that people want to run away from chicago should have better streets and better neighborhoods chicago should not be segregated chicago should not be referred to as shyback chicago should be a place with a lot of opportunities chicago should be known for more positive things. Chicago should be safer. In order for Chicago to get to that place I identified, we would need more gun control. We need for people of Chicago to stop playing favoritism and help build up the neighborhoods that aren't white or aren't downtown. Chicago needs to have more accomplishments. Chicago should be known for more positive things rather than being known as Chirac or a place with a lot of violence. This can only happen if the city comes together and try to make a difference. This can only happen if people actually cared enough to want to change Chicago. This can only happen if there is change within ourselves. My life should be like a movie, where I can go out and have fun without the violence or fear for my life. I shouldn't be scared to walk out my door. I should be able to walk out of my house wherever I want to be and not be harassed or sexualized by boys or even grown men. I shouldn't have to cover my thighs if I don't want to or cover my shoulders because men can't control themselves. I should be able to have a say-so in my life and not feel like I am being controlled. I should be able to make mistakes and learn from them on my own. I don't want to hear the don't do this or I've been there, done that talk because I want to know for myself. My life shouldn't be compared to anyone else because we're not the same. My life should be a little easier, like I shouldn't have to deal with daddy issues, toxic relationships, or past trauma. My life should have value and be treated with care. My
1: life should matter. My life should be a life I want to live. A life where I never even think about wanting to end it up. That was a nice, especially hearing from like a young, well, I'm young too, but somebody <laughs> younger than me. We going through the same thing, having the same outlook. Um, What really stood out to me was the comments from, the. I feel like the ignorant comments from boys or grown men, like I've experienced it walking down the street. and It's kind of disgusting, cause like you're somebody's grandfather. You can be my grandfather, but you're talking to me in that manner. It's pretty sick. But what about you, Roy? What do you feel about it? How do you feel?
0: Um, Anaya made a lot of really valid points. So she talked about what a lot of people experience in Chicago, which includes, but is not limited to gun violence. and sexualization Mm -hmm. dr moore and dimitri how was it talking with these teenagers about their experiences and helping them create letters to chicago
2: you know in in some ways like the whole experience i think was a the the whole experience of dear chicago coming together in some ways uh was an exercise in resilience
3: Mm
2: -hmm. that Although we were all very excited to like uh, from our end and from CPS's into putting it together, it really sort of came together like it was one of those like really, really slow. And then, OK, bam, we're going to start. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so the young people, uh, Anaya included, um, didn't have a lot of, you know, um, prior warning that that this program was started. In fact, for most of them, they they only found out that they were going to participate in uh, Dear Chicago 24 to 48 hours beforehand. So that was like an you know, like an oddity, right? Like, you know, as a as a as anybody, right? A new thing's happening, something that you were supposed to participate in, and then you don't know, and then all of a sudden you know, and then you have to be there. So that was like sort of the first hurdle. And then the second hurdle was we're on Zoom, right? I mean, ordinarily we would be in the same space, and there's something very different about getting to know people. um, the ability to like read facial expressions or see how the body language is. You can sidle right up to somebody and plop down next to them and like check in with them while other things are going on. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's just, it's impossible to do that in Zoom. So that was the second hurdle. And then, you know, we had a a short window. The program wasn't very long, it was six weeks long. And although we met five days a week, six weeks really isn't a long time. Mm And so in order to get to that end product that you see from Anaya and from, and from all the other uh, young people who participated in Dear Chicago, you know, people don't just like open up and tell their truths to total strangers. Right. And for most of us, we were total strangers. There were a few who went to the same school, although it seemed pretty clear that they didn't know each other. They just like, they just happened to be in the same school. And then we had a little, a little grouping of four that were brothers um, and cousins. So they had their little thing, but for the most part, we didn't know each other and they certainly didn't know anything about Contextos. Had never heard of Contextos and they didn't know Dimitri and they didn't know me. So there was a lot of like sort of perseverance that needed to happen from the young people and also from us to like sort of break down barriers in a relatively quick fashion. um, And then, you know, build a kind of trust among all of us, that would allow someone like Anaya or anybody else who participated to feel comfortable enough, to feel safe enough, trust enough, to like talk about like the realities of 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 you know what it's like um, to be here in Chicago and you know part of the way that I think that um, you know one of the strengths of the program was um, the material that we shared that allowed us all to like sort of connect on a, on, on various levels from Spoken word pieces to video, you know, to to actual prose writing, and um, you know, the young people were were open enough to you know to to connect to the material that we gave them.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that, like you said, I think the the process of, of doing the work of creating these video letters was uh, itself, and, and it took a lot of resilience. I think, especially if you think about juniors and seniors in high school, um, or even sophomores, and coming off of a spring where everything went crazy, right? Where er, you didn't have prom, you didn't have uh, graduations, you didn't have a lot of the things that you would typically have or be a part of or or celebrations that you would typically have in school or even just school, right? Like you you get in a rhythm as a student. And, you know, I think we kind of think of high schoolers as not liking the schoolwork, but no, like I I feel like, you know, a lot of young people like school as a stable, reliable thing. And so when it became really unstable and unreliable just because of having to switch to remote learning with teachers on short notice and administrators on short notice and, you know, nobody was expecting it it as a shift we never made before. Um, Being willing to, you know, engage in the hard work of of putting your thoughts together, um, of forming relationships uh, between themselves as as students and participants and, and between us. Like that took a lot of resilience to say, man. Spring was really not ideal, but here we are in summer, and we're <laughs> gonna do this, but do it harder <laughs> <laughs> or do it better. Yeah. Um, so it, it definitely took a lot of resilience on the on the part of young people too.
0: I really love the idea of the program in general because, personally, when contextos did the Arthur Circle at my school, I wasn't re- really willing to open up at first, but like once i knew that there were people that were willing to listen i was willing to talk and Mm -hmm. i think at a time like this this is essential especially for young people and their mental health not seeing their friends not having no stable schedule at all it'll give them a sense of normalcy in this crazy chaotic space that we're in
3: yeah yeah i'd agree i think it, it did do that um I think for us too, I feel like there are things that we, there are routines that we set up so that it would, you know, when this all started to happen, even before the program started. Um, yeah, you, we, I think a lot of us lost that sense of routine and the kind of security that comes from routine. Um, yeah, I think that was a a big part of, uh, of kind of navigating the program
2: and what's in, and, and just a just as a sort of aside for, for myself, when it ended, like, you know, six, five days a week for four, four four and a half hours a day or whatever on Zoom, you know, that's hard. And so, you know, I, I sort of took a deep breath when the program ended, but the truth of the matter is by the next Monday, I was like, oh man, right? Like, first of all, I miss the young people, right? Cause I, you know, we did build these connections. And so I miss them. I miss the experience. I miss like sharing things and hearing, you know, hearing what's on their mind and, and reading their writing and hearing them speak. Um, but I also just miss the routine of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Literally, like I know that I'm going to be here at my desk doing a certain thing for a certain amount of time, and that's like what my schedule is. And and I'm actually curious. I'm going to turn the tables on on the host for just a second. Uh-oh. I'm curious if you have found like how has it been for you to like sort of persist or to be resilient with not having the normal kind of schedule that you would have.
0: For me, keeping like a routine has really been hard. I've been, um, When I first got back to school, I started um, setting the alarm early so that I'll like have something to do. So I'll set the alarm early so I can get up. I wouldn't really have anything to do in that mean time, in between time, like the week before classes actually hit. So I would just be up trying to find something to do. And then the fact that I didn't have any, like, social contact, it was it was very weird. So I I kind of started losing track of time because I'm like, what am I studying? waking up so early for? I'm not, I'm not doing anything. So I'll get up, then I'll lay back down. Next thing you know, it's 8 o'clock, and it's getting dark out. And I'm like, whoa, where would the day go? Right. I
1: know I would have a schedule. Well, when school was in session, yeah, But then after school was over, it was like, all right, go to bed four in the morning, get up at like 12. And it's like, OK, what do I do? Then I would like find weird things to do. But then if I had nothing else to do, I would overthink. Mm. And thinking is terrible. So, yeah, pretty much this COVID thing has really messed. Like I said, it's just ghetto. I can't really <laughs> put into
0: Very much so.
3: What
1: to say? Even like it's just. Ew. It's disgusting. It's terrible. It's been terrible for me. It's oh gosh.
3: I don't think I realize how much those routines and same thing, Dr. Moore. I think at the end of the program, it's a, it's like how do you mark time when the sun stops coming up, right? It's like, well, uh, I, I think it's about Thursday, like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, not to say that we didn't have like full lives and, and other things going on, but you know, what you ladies mentioned in terms of school, I, I think it's, it's the same thing that a lot of people are experiencing when those very stable things that you're used to being very stationary aren't there. It, it is a very, very uh, I don't know it, it feels like you're kind of losing your footing.
1: Yeah. Then it felt like, you know, like I'm gonna say back then when the, when the COVID thing was going on, you know, it felt like he was happy to see Friday all the weekends coming up. You worked in school all week, like Friday night it was just like, oh, it's another day, going to do the same thing, sitting in the
0: house. Especially for that chunk of summer, because it, honestly, it just felt like the days just blended together. And it's like, it felt like I was just sitting in the same spot for like 13 days in a row. And it's just like, what is going on right now?
1: Right. Really draining.
0: Like, you got
1: like, dang, I kind of miss doing stuff. Like, <laughs> like, I actually missed, like, going to school me what <laughs> never like it's it was it was well it still is crazy but it's not as bad because we're able to do stuff a little bit but hmm.
2: you know in part uh, like just listening to uh, to the two of you speak i think that's in part like was in part one of the benefits of the dear chicago the cps dear chicago program is that like when you turn on the news like they're always like the news programs Uh, even the community, like the local news programs, you know, they talk about COVID and they talk about what's happening, but you don't hear from young people about what their lives are like, how they're being impacted. The same is true, not just with COVID, the same is true with violence, right? With the violence, Mm -hmm. the reality of, of violence in Chicago, there's lots of narratives that exist out there about why it's happening, about who it's happening to, but it seems that those voices are from the outside in rather than from the inside out. And so one of the, I think, the the, the real powerful aspects of the Dear Chicago uh, uh, letters uh, and and the program itself is that it gave this group of 20 young people an opportunity to just say, like, you know, just to speak their truths. So you heard that in in Anaya's piece, you know, she said this was the, this summer was the first time that she directly was impacted by one of her friends you know, um, being killed, losing someone to gun violence. And that's real. And it's not just a number, it's not just a statistic, it's a, you know, these are real people, it's lives and communities and families that are impacted in an enduring way. And it's so valuable It's so important, one for Anaya and others, the other participants to have the opportunity to tell those stories, to speak their truths, but it's also important for the people outside to hear what's actually happening on the ground from the people who are on the ground, living that existence.
3: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, and I I, I just remembered as you're talking, Dr. Moore, uh, and we'll, we'll see if we cut this or or not. <laughs> um, but it was weird to because we saw you guys because what we showed the young people was, um, you know, WTTW did I guess a mini documentary. Um, when unfortunately you guys lost a a classmate, a friend of yours, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I never got around to watching it. Yeah,
0: it's good. It's
3: good. Yeah. I I would imagine it it could be hard to watch. Um, and and what I was thinking though, as we watched it was that, you know, this is produced for an outside audience, right? And here we are sitting and watching it and it's so very familiar to the young people who are watching it. Um, and it is just so real. I mean, it's so real that you, you specifically were were there in the video. You, you guys were were on stage. I think you were giving your valedictorian speech, Mariah. Um, <laughs> and we saw Tatiana come up and, and comfort you, where you know when it, it was just really hard. Um, but what you just said, Doctor Moore, about it being about those that those perspectives not being shared, even in that documentary, which I think was really well done. Um, it's still. I don't know. I don't know if there is a way to capture fully what that experience is like for, for somebody who is there for when it is your friend, when it is somebody that you've you've sat in a classroom with. Uh, and so, what I appreciated about what our young people did this summer was they really told those, those firsthand accounts of, of what their lives are like in a way that that you don't really get from a documentary where someone is visiting. Right? It, it's it's somebody who's living the, the their their own life and just telling you what their life is like. Um, and I, I think from, you know, hearing their stories, you really do get a sense of how much it takes to, to just grow up, like how much uh, it, it takes to just try to be successful, to just try to to literally just grow up, like just survive uh, when it can be really, really hard to do just that.
2: Mm. Yeah, one of the one of one of the most striking moments was re- really early, It was perhaps in the first week of the program, and I don't remember um, what, what young man said it, but he was talking about like I had asked a question about like, what's their every day like and what do they do? Right. And he and, and he very clearly without it's not like like he wasn't um, trying to be over dramatic, It was just like like, you know, every day. And it was, you know, I wake up, uh, I sit on the floor, I play video games. And what struck me was he kept talking about being on the floor, because, of course, being up higher meant that you have a greater chance, mm-hmm. right, of being shot. Okay. And I, right. And I just kept thinking, I was so humbled. I was so humbled in that moment because I thought about my own childhood. And it's not like I, you know, like grew up in some fancy neighborhood or anything, you know, it was you know, Markham, Illinois, just, you you, know, your, you know, regular, you know, working class neighborhood. But you know, when I was your age, not your age now, but when you guys, when I first met you, when you were high school students, and then that young man's age, you know, you just went outside, <laughs> you know, like it's summertime, you went outside. Right. And just that and the resilience of like, that's not my reality. My reality is this other thing. And, and just to keep moving forward. Right. Like, you know, he's looking forward to going to college next year he was looking forward to the start of this year because it's his, his senior year. But just that thought that, of what you have to do just in your every day is very humbling. Right. And people need to know that that's a reality. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's like um, when you live in those moments, it's like you adjust those things without really realizing it. Yeah. And, and that's the sick part about it.
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jamal Cole, uh, with my black, my hood, my city, he had a a project. It was called, uh, it's not normal. Right. And, And so it was pointing out all the things that, you know, are just a part of life, uh, for some people living in Chicago and just making the point that it's not normal, um, that people have to, you know, try to survive in these situations. It's not normal that people are experiencing what they're experiencing in this city, one of the major cities in the country. Um, Especially considering that it's not happening everywhere, even within the city. Uh, And so they're very, very different experiences for people living literally under the same systems, uh, within the same economy, within the same city and vastly different experiences for what is normal.
1: I want to to kind of touch on that. Um, I was okay, So when I went off to school, I really did like realize a lot about what I did. It wasn't. It was it was my normal, but not everybody else's normal. Hmm. Like if I close the curtains or if I hear a loud noise, I'm hitting the floor. I don't care what nobody says. Um, I lock the door or I kind of look around. My roommate was like, "Why do you do that?" I'm like, "Y'all don't." Like hmm. she's, "Oh, where I'm from, we worry about wild animals." I'm like, "I worry about bullets, guns."
0: No, seriously. And-
1: and it was kind of hard to kind of explain that to, to them without kind of bashing where I'm from, because it's not, like you said, it's not a completely, it's not a bad city as a whole. But I kind of wanted to let them know that like, I have I act this way for a reason. It's not, I don't do this for play. It's not a funny thing. Cause sometimes they will laugh at it. I'm like, no, but then I realized that's not normal at all. It's not, it's, I ain't not normal. what you
0: said? It's not funny either. Like yeah um even first football game you know how they um blow the um horns and stuff once you make the cannon yeah
1: oh oh excuse me no i'm saying i experienced the same yeah it's the same thing
0: yeah like how hard i jumped i never realized that yeah Ooh.
1: yeah like, something that we think is okay, like, that we think is normal, it's really not to outsiders. it's just not normal, it's completely, they think it's kind of crazy.
0: That's I hear how that. my first thought should not be, hit the ground, hit the ground. That should not be ingrained in my mental.
3: Yeah. And Tatiana, you said something that stuck out to me. Which was that, you know, there's a tension between, and this is Dr. Moore's that we talk about in, in kind of the work that we do also. It, it, there's a tension between, you know, we love our city. And I think that's part of the, the, the title mm-hmm. Dear Chicago, right, Dr. Moore, is that it's, it is dear to us, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's Dear Chicago in the sense that you're writing a letter to Chicago. But, you know, you, you do have a sense of pride in your city. And you don't want to, you know, when you're in settings where you're, you know, you said you went away to school. um there's a lot to love about Chicago. And so you don't want to put your city down. Um, but the reality of it is that there is that, that kind of bitter and the sweet. There there, there are those two sides to Chicago. And like the love yeah, you have a love-hate relationship with this city. And, you know, that's something that came across in a lot of the video letters, because that's just what the experience is of living in this city. That um, you, you love so much about it, but that you can clearly see that there's so much about it that needs to change and that's just not not okay.
2: And you know, I, I do want to say that one of one one element that I that I that I'm really proud of that um, as one of the two facilitators in terms of like crafting the program that I'm really proud that we included was to talk about joy, right? Because here's the thing. There is a reality that all kinds of ways in which people have to live their lives here in Chicago is not normal, as we just talked about. But at the same time that that's true there is also joy and love and laughter that exists in all of our lives right and i think it's important that like because the the narratives many of the narratives that exist about this city only highlight those those negative parts right and i'm not trying to elide them or pretend like they don't exist because they're real they're real for all of us they're real for young people in these neighborhoods but the fact of the matter is we also still laugh, too, right? And so one of the things that I like that came out over the course of the program in some of the videos and in the letters, uh, I'm sorry, they wrote these I am poems as well, is the places where we laugh and we smile, right? Mm-hmm. There's friendships, um, you know, there's like, oops, I'm so sorry, about. That's
3: real, really real.
2: <laughs> right, like in the
0: middle of a
3: little we go. Here we go. Yeah, you said there's laughter, there's friendships.
2: Yeah, there's laugh I'm sorry. There's laughter, there's friendship, uh, there's love. There's the you know, there's the fun of like walking with, with some of your friends down to the corner store and you know, and, and uh um what what are those hot those hot chips you guys look? Hot crunchy curls,
4: yeah. <laughs> hot, <lemon. laughs>
2: crunchy hot, hot right, right. Going going to the corner store getting some hot crunchy curls, you know, I mean they're little things, but they're still like there's a joy to be had, right? And and I and 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 I think that some of that came across in the letters as well. And I think it's important for us to like it was important that the young people were able to latch on that too. But yeah, this, these are my realities, and the fact is, my reality is complicated, right? And I and I am resilient in part because I have all that other stuff, right? If I didn't have love, if I didn't have support, if I didn't have friends, if I didn't have laughter i probably it would i'd probably be hard-pressed to be resilient but i have that mm.
3: right yeah that's a that's a great point yeah
1: dr Moore, you talked about joy so i have a question for all of you guys even though this has been a tough year due to the covid and also violence do you feel like you got something good out of it you know like what are the positive like have you seen anything positive happening despite what's going on
3: yeah for sure uh I think one thing that I've noticed myself, but I, I've I've heard other people comment on also, is that I think a lot of people are going out of their way now to to make those or rekindle those connections that they that have kind of you know, you kind of get lazy. <laughs> you say, eh, It's all right if I don't pick up the phone today, um, but no, like I mean, one change in in my life has been that I talk to my mom every day, uh, and so, you know, they're they're definitely, and I think another change just in, in the lifestyle changes that have accompanied this, uh, I think a lot of people are spending more time outdoors, partly because they're, you know, cooped up most of the time. And so a lot more people are going for walks or having picnics with friends in the park. Um, so there are a lot more of those kinds of activities. Um, and this isn't directly related, but I think one thing that's also happened, that's a layer on top of what this year has been, has been, uh, I think we've all seen that there's kind of been a, a a new awakening to the realities of race issues in America, which has been tumultuous for sure. But in another sense, it's great that, you know, there's more conversation about a topic that's been ignored and kind of swept under the rug in a lot of ways, um, for a long time. Um, I don't know if that's a direct, you know, directly related to, to coronavirus and, and all the things that have been happening. Um, but you know, there's, they're definitely bright sides, uh, to the, the crazy year that we've had for sure.
2: And for me, um, one of them is, uh, it, it sort of ties into what Dimitri just said about like not taking uh relationships for granted. I, I've tried to do that. Like I try to live my life that way anyway. Um, uh, but it's definitely like a, um, a, a ve- I'm very intentional about that. Um, uh, because times are just so precarious uh for a whole host of reasons that we you know we've already talked about and so it's important you know to like let people know and i've also you know i i try to notice the little things like i love i I moved to bronzeville and i'm on a on the fourth floor of a walk-up and i have this great view and i just like I'm taking such joy in like watching people out my window. And I I don't mean that in any kind of creepy <laughs> way. It's really cool to see, you know, like I'll see like a, a family go across the street in the park and they're playing basketball with their little kids or see people, you know, an old couple walking together with their bags that they got from, from a store. Like it, I just take like real pleasure in that. And then the other thing that's brought me joy is I realize that the hope is you. YouTube, Mm -hmm. and your generation and those young people that I was fortunate enough uh, to work with this summer, like, I'm just so impressed by, and I have been so impressed, and I continue to be so impressed by, like, people, like, using their voices, right? I mean, all of the fight for social justice this summer, it was driven by young people.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. I mean,
2: there were older people, of course, there were people of all ages, but right out front were people who were your age, not my age. Right. I went to a couple of marches and I tell you, I I barely made it to the end because I'm old and I'm tired. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to do, I'm going to stay in my lane. Like my lane is to like write about stuff to write about these things that I see. My lane is to, is to teach, right. My lane is to like facilitate your lane is to like do the leading. Right. And I, and I'm happy to follow at this point in my life. I'm really happy to follow the young people and, and like, the fact that you're like taking over um, you know you're you're the hosts of complicating the narrative in season 2 <laughs> is so cool seriously like you're stepping forward you were the leaders and that's that brings me much joy much joy all right
0: um something positive um for me personally um, I've never really been a people person. So while I love my family dearly, I don't really like being around them all the time. Um, COVID has given me time to actually spend time with my family. Hmm. But I do, I found that I've enjoyed my personal time, my me time a lot more. I've connected with myself on a different level. I'm coming to understand myself more. so And I think that the, the pandemic has done that for me because we have so much time to spend inside or outside, however you may choose to spend it. It's it's given me time to actually think about who I am as a person. And I, I'm, I've i been enjoying this process. So Tatiana, how, how has COVID, the pandemic, being locked down, Affected you
1: positively? How are you going to ask my question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say a
1: positive thing, like overthinking, even though it could be a bad thing. It's got, like, I feel like with past trauma, it's like I have time to, like, deal with it. Now, I'm not going to say it's been easy, but I feel like it has made me grow up and realize a lot of things, you know, just... That's a hard question. I shouldn't have asked that question. But, (laughs) like, um, yeah, spending more family time, but it has made me, like, just thinking grateful for a lot of things, you know, family, because I have lost a family member um, during this time. Just being grateful, I guess. I couldn't really answer that question. Thanks, Mariah.
3: Hey, (laughs) that's a a great answer. Definitely Uh, a
2: really good answer.
3: Yeah, definitely makes it more. Appreciative, uh, you're saying that to more of the small things, right? Uh, of just moments. I think a lot of us mm-hmm. have slowed down in, in a lot of ways that I think have had some positive effects for sure.
0: Stay <laughs> tuned for more conversations like this with other Contextos programs.
3: Hey, thanks for listening to the Complicating the Narrative podcast. We hope you like this episode. You can hear more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and your favorite streaming services. Complicating the Narrative is brought to you by Contextos. Contextos uses the power of personal narrative to promote healing and reflection and to foster critical thinking and dialogue to provoke change.